Hello, it's Troy Francis and welcome to the Modern Casanova podcast episode 41 brought to you today from a wonderful ferry which is travelling across the North Sea into Essex as we speak and I'm sitting here in the glamorous casino area with none other than Mr Tom Torero who we've uh, I've just been in Amsterdam with and we're returning to the UK. Hi Tom. Good evening. Uh, you say casino, I say CD slot machines. <laughs> I don't see the table with the glamorous women and the James Bond characters and the. Uh... When we saw it, we thought, right, this is going to be a good crossing, you know, tuxedos yeah. and yes. yeah, hot birds. No, it's just it's for truck drivers. It's slot machines. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, good slot machines, good quality. We've got a. Uh, You're sitting next to Lord of the Pirates. Yes, and there's Bugs Party here actually, which is quite nice. And then we've got Casino Crazy, Cluedo, Cops and Robbers. So maybe we've got a f- we've got nearly an hour left, or just you're, under an hour. You're addiction free, aren't you? you? You don't gamble. You don't gamble. I don't gamble. No, it's it's the one thing I've never massively got into. Got into, yeah. I did try, um, but uh, I d- I went to the dogs once. <laughs> I went, yeah, no, literally, well, literally and metaphorically, yes. but I went to the dog racing once uh, with a, on a work trip, and I found that quite compulsive, actually, yeah. betting on the dogs, yeah, yeah, so, you know, I think, I think any of these things can draw you in, and you can become compulsive about it, but that's not really one of mine, so we're safe in here today, but today, what we're going to do is a little bit of a reverse of the normal way of things so because Tom's going to interview me in a moment about uh, some of the stuff that I'm up to because I was just on Tom's podcast and I interviewed him so we're going to we're going to do a reverse for this one but before we go into that it'd be kind of cool to talk a little bit about Amsterdam so we were in Amsterdam for the last two days before that we traveled from Germany so I met Tom over in Berlin we traveled to Hanover where we stayed for a night and then we uh, drove across to Amsterdam so, Amsterdam, a lot of fun. Damn. Any damn? <laughs> you've been quite, you've been quite, you've been quite a few times, haven't you? I've only actually been once before. I have. I used to treat it as a game city, not a gay city, although I'm sure many men do. Yeah. But uh, I used to teach boot camps there, and quite quickly we realised, and as we saw yesterday, yeah. it's not, it's not a game city. It's just full of men. Um, so I said to you, do you want to come to Amsterdam this time? Not, and even you don't smoke weed and you don't yeah. drink, obviously, but. As we were just saying on my podcast, there's something about it. It's a sin city, and we didn't pay, uh, it, but it's just the vibe, isn't it? And it's a great yeah. place to finish a CD tour. Euro trash, you're a fan of, I'm a fan of. So um, I had a little smoke, I had a little drink. We didn't pay, but um, we, I loved it. I thought yeah. that, that neon vibe, you were yeah. in your element. I yeah. mean, 80s music, some real CD strip bars, Tarantino, like, you know, it really, yeah. really stuff that we we said we couldn't find in london anymore because yeah. it's vanishing luckily although not for long it's still in amsterdam yeah absolutely although i as we were saying i've read several times over the last 10 years or so that they're cleaning it up and they maybe they have i mean maybe there's less there than there was but there certainly still seems to be a lot doesn't there i mean yeah it was yeah it was a lot of fun i mean i've only been once before i went on a friend's stag do a few years back and we were there for two days probably even lesser duration than we were there and obviously when you're on a, a an event like that you tend to you know you've got certain things you have to do and you're hanging out with the, the, the other guys and everything so this time was better um i'd always liked it when i first went there I, I really liked it because of the feel of the place and even though the red light district is very touristy and very it's quite tacky in a way we found that other red, the local red light district yes was fascinating wasn't it yeah yeah absolutely so there's a whole different place where 
a whole different area rather of the city where very posh clean cut restaurant and the next door to it the same cd thing but only yeah. locals going in yeah. and we just so honest sexuality was so honest i saw a guy eating yeah. his dinner having a pause telling his mate oh, i'll be back in five went and probably had a blowjob came back and <laughs> it's liberating how there's nothing hidden yeah yeah no it's really good i mean it's a very free place isn't it and but i got the impression when i went there the first time it would be the sort of place where you know you could go and lose yourself i imagine there's guys who probably went there in about 1996 yeah, and kind of <laughs> we saw some uh Characters. we saw some glaswegian chaps there i think didn't we who looked like they've been <laughs> looking for their next hit for the last uh, 20 yeah. years yeah yeah so berlin has that as well doesn't it, it absolutely yeah it, it really does i mean berlin has there's a weird thing in berlin it's got this kind of very 90s looking people who look like they've, they've been there since or they're, they're either members of Scooter or they've been there since <laughs> 1992. We joke about it but in those German service stations where we stopped even Hanover there's a feel isn't there like an 80s 90s feel we saw a mullet we saw a tash <laughs> it, it, in a way it was cool. Yeah I mean, we saw a guy with slicked back hair who looked like a Nick Cave yeah. impersonator with tattoos and yeah. You know, and it's funny because on the one hand it's naff, but on the other hand it's actually quite cool, isn't it? That yeah. kind of stuff is... It's all coming back now. It's very hipstery, it's very... Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but you weren't, you're not a massive fan of Germany, are you? Is that fair to say? Yes, but I get it. You know, you keep explaining it to me and uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of Germany. I, I, I'm a fan of, uh, like I told you, Munich, yeah. but I totally understand why somebody could be. If you're drawn to a subset of music, um, fashion, and certainly your kind of clubs, uh, your, the music you grew up with, yeah. it is your city. And everyone has a city which they feel relaxed in. Uh, yeah. you know, of course, it's London uh, for most of us Brits. But uh, yeah, you find a city and you go, yeah, I really, really like the vibe. And it's not, to, for you, it's not to do with the quality of the day game girls, is it? Or yeah. um, uh, even night game, it's just a feel. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I get it. I get it. I'm not. I wouldn't say I would drive across Germany again in a hurry. Uh, no, yes. no more of those gigantic Frankfurters um, <laughs> and very miserable customer service. But um, yeah, it was good. It was a good drive. But Amsterdam was fitting. I mean, if you want to end a Euro trash tour somewhere, you kind of have to end it in yeah. Amsterdam. Yeah. And uh, it was cool seeing Troy, even though he doesn't smoke and drink. You totally got absorbed in the vibe and. Um, yeah, loving it. Prove that you didn't need to smoke. Absolutely, no, loving it. I mean, it, it was it was just a lot of fun, wasn't it? And like you said, those venues that we went to, we went to, I guess, a strip bar or a, certainly a bar where girls were dancing on the yeah. on top of the, the bar really and tacky. really tacky and but just a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, it was like something out of a '90s music video or something. It was just the yeah. red neon, the gold yeah. of the. Uh, uh, the, the fittings on the walls, the carpet, it was sort of the, the whole thing is this really dreamy yeah. kind of state, wasn't it? And um, it's just fascinating, really. And just watching as well all the guys who are there who are sort of getting off on it. And for them, that's probably a massive outlet, isn't it? That's probably the, yeah. the best time that they've had all, you know, all year yeah. kind of thing. Um, we're doing it in this kind of semi-ironic way, but, um, but nevertheless. And for enlightenment, I don't know if you talked about this on your podcast. Yeah, I think we did when I was on your podcast before. Yeah. How? Um, oh, can you hear that? Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Have you got your passport? Yeah, I have. I've got mine. I think. Yeah. We were yeah. saying about enlightenment through filth, and it sounds like you know the ultimate contradiction, but you glimpse it in places like Berlin and Amsterdam and Vegas yeah. and Miami. It's. Uh, 
I don't know how yeah. many people listening to this understand that concept, but uh, they seem to not go together, like mm. filth and debauchery plus Zen Buddhism, but they do. <laughs> well, that's got, I think that's what we're searching for, and I think that's why there's a sort of similarity in some of the, 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 work, the work that we've done recently, because, I mean, I'm, I've always been looking for something. I've always been looking for answers. I've been looking for, without sounding wanky about it the meaning of life in a way and can you find the meaning of life in a strip bar in Amsterdam well most people would say probably not because it doesn't feel like a very spiritual place but there is something there's some sort of human connection there there's some sort of or other like you always say there's a sort of an honesty about the sexuality that's on display there that is very refreshing and it you feel like you connect with something you know this is all very hard to put into words but you know what I mean yeah, it's um, it's something I've glimpsed obviously through day game because you can get into a Zen state through day game, but this is something different. It's um, it is Bukowski-ish, uh, where your your common bond with another human being is something very primal, you know. Yes. Um, so everything's stripped away quite literally and it's nice to be in a place where you don't have to hide you don't have to have secrets you don't have to pretend to be polite and for some people that would be shocking if you're very traditional and conservative uh but perhaps you know the 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 hand that points the finger is often the grubbiest well possibly yeah yeah possibly and we saw all kinds of people there as well didn't we we saw you know guys on stag do's we saw people on their own we saw couples which is always a bit of an odd one um and we saw families yeah. in some of the places which is quite surprising yeah. school children yeah. bloody cues of school children which seems an odd sort of thing although you were saying you went on a school trip to amsterdam once but do you think <laughs> the fact that you were taken on a school trip to amsterdam is well, as, a, as a child was how you became so so debaucherous <laughs> i blame my school no i was i was filthy before then oh okay nicking uh, nicking catalogues from my mum like underwear catalogues and yeah. uh, being little woods little woods underwear catalogues exactly yeah. you just come through the door and then used to come um, but yeah a geography teacher took us when we were 16 to Amsterdam to do like a uh, a survey of the city mm. and looking back he was a right pervy dude um, and he just said yeah I'll see you back at the train station at 6pm and as 16 year old boys we, we obviously saw a lot uh, during that day we abandoned the clipboards but yes you get it I get it uh, I hope people listening to your podcast they get it and perhaps aren't so quick to judge it as oh that's just stag dudes or oh that's just so grotty yeah it is and in that grottiness is a, is a certain certain fading joy you know that might disappear might be yeah. cleaned up from Vegas Miami certainly yeah. has gone from New York is going now from uh, London yeah yeah it's yeah it's a good word to use actually joy I mean there is a real joyfulness about yeah. places like that because people are there you know to have a good time and you can you can look at that and you can sort of criticize but i think there's a lot of snobbery as well with that kind of attitude because you know these are these are people they're there to enjoy themselves in whatever way they see fit and they're, they're certainly making a good job of that aren't they but again well, let's get on to you troy francis because that's the time i th- i think we're going to be thrown off the ship how are you doing on your podcast yeah we're about 11 minutes in so well let's turn the tables on Troy Francis. Hello. I sit on your chair now. This is very comfortable. I feel like Michael Parkinson. <laughs> and uh, good evening, Troy Francis. And let's talk about, uh, well, we've talked about Amsterdam. Perhaps a change in direction of your content recently from uh, uh, obviously game in the past to 
would you say something completely new or is it linked or how do you link them uh, a brand and uh, you know standing out well I think they're linked inextricably really how what I'm talking about now a lot particularly on Twitter so guys follow me on Twitter if you don't um, do follow me on Twitter because that's probably where I'm most active apart from on the blog um, I'm talking a lot at the moment about building a personal brand actually and that connects with the idea of freeing yourself up by becoming I guess what a lot of people call a digital nomad so can I make a career out of working for myself on my laptop now one very effective way to do that which a lot of people are finding is to build a brand online around themselves and that's really something that, that you've done although obviously there's been a there's a, a subject focus because the subject focus is game but the, the brand is built around yeah. Tom Torero the good of the bad you know, yeah it's a double-edged sword it, it is and um but if you can build up a brand around yourself then the huge advantage of that is that for a start you, you work for yourself you can uh, if you can build up an audience of people who really like your content, they like what you put out, then you can sell to those people. You can create great products and sell them to those people so you can make an income. Uh, you can obviously work from where you like in the world. So all of those things are fantastic. Uh, but as well, you can create work that's meaningful to you. And you can sort of range across different subject areas, can't you? So it could be game, but then maybe you want to move on from that. And we've we've talked about other people who've done this, haven't we? In the but how ultimately it still is game because we're talking about persuasion and uh, marketing yourself is you need an understanding of game you certainly need an understanding of frame and anyone in game will know books like Cialdini and yeah. they'll have heard of the kind of cheesy NLP and how to persuade yeah. people but you can't build a personal brand without being mm. you know you're having the dark trade it's a little bit egotistical but can you can you is that how you saw the similarities between you know picking up girls and picking up customers yeah i think so i think there's a lot of parallels and the you know i think anybody who's done game for a bit will will know about about those things like lack of fear of rejection you know just keep turning over new stones keep putting out different pieces of content every day to to pick up you know a new audience just in the way that you might do a load of approaches for example differentiation because we saw a lot of that in amsterdam <laughs> yeah we did i think differentiation is absolutely key so i suppose in game you had the old concept of peacocking is one way to look at it so if you think of the stereotypical idea of the game uh, community back in the the 90s it, this idea of peacocking wearing a feather bow to the club black nail polish all of that making yourself really stand out that kind of stuff still works i mean we don't necessarily peacock like that today but nevertheless making yourself stand out is great because you polarize your audience so some girls if you go to the club are gonna are gonna hate it but other girls are gonna absolutely love you and this is really key for business as well so if you can make your brand distinctive so this could be your personal brand some people are going to hate you some people you know are going to think you're an idiot but other people are going to love you and that is really really important yeah it's the lack of vanilla and when you when you first said to me oh i'm good i might you know start talking more about branding and persuasion and stuff instinctively people go oh no not like a cheesy um we've all been in those work team building things and you get once i was sent on a two-day course i didn't mind mitching from school as a teacher on uh how to be charismatic course i kid you oh, really it was in somewhere like didcot and it was run, <laughs> it was run by a 55 year old tubby guy who was the least charismatic man I've and is that is that what you put your charisma down to that's helped you to yeah, build this brand yeah his powerpoint presentation changed my life <laughs> and from that moment on i got every single woman in the world you know 
So there you go. So that is the truth. That is the true secret to Tom Torero's game. You've heard it now. Is that is this is that fifty five year old guy like a game don who's just absolute sort of, pimp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's in Didcot, by the way. But um, no, you're talking about something different. Yeah, you're not trying to be a a slick. A marketing consultant from Price Waterhouse Cooper. No, not at all. And I think the way that this all links together ultimately is about freedom because you know we've just been on a trip. We well, you've been on a very long trip to sixteen countries. I've been on a shorter trip, but nevertheless, you know, I was able to. You've recently quit your job, and yeah, I quit my job at the end of last year, and now you know I live that lifestyle where I work for myself. I don't have a boss. I can make my own projects. I can work on projects that I'm passionate about. I can keep all the net profits as well. So, you know, I'm not a millionaire at the moment. I'm not rich, but, you know, that will come. But in the meantime, what's really important is that I'm able to do work that I love and I'm free when I'm doing it. And I think that's something you talked about as well in your in your journey. That's that's was that yeah. a major motivator for you in building yeah. the brand? Yeah, freedom, as selfish as it sounds. You know, we've spoken about the book, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World. That's, you can chase happiness, but it's, um, freedom for us is the, is the kind of satisfaction content. Yeah, along yeah. With, along with the meaning, uh, you know, the mission rather. Yeah, so if you can combine the mission with, as a way to make you free, then you've kind of, it's, it's, you've hit all of the, you've, you've hit all the targets. So for me, I always wanted to write, so, for a long time I was looking at it and thinking well okay so how can I how can I find a way to write and actually get paid for that as well if you know it's, it's really as simple as that and it's difficult to do that these days with the way the publishing industry is unless you can build something for yourself unless you can build that personal yeah. brand for yourself and, and to be honest even if you're a writer who has a publisher who has gone down the traditional route you still need to do the same things because you, you need to you need to create your tribe around you well, this this is sensational, in it, you know, in the fact that we're on a ferry. We were using Wi-Fi. We're recording this on a phone. I think last time we were in Prague, um, you got the laptop. The middleman is being cut out, and they hate it, obviously, in publishing yeah. and in, uh, you know, filmmaking. You just need a mobile phone, and you put it on YouTube. It's good and bad because everyone's doing it. So if you're not building a personal brand now, I mean, the ship's. Mm quite a fitting metaphor but the ship's left the dock really well it has but i think well it hasn't it hasn't i think people can still do it but i think it you know be, you, you want to you need to you need to get on with it and look things are changing very fast and i always say in my i've said in articles and on twitter and so on when you look at the job market the fact is that there's going to be in terms of automation there's going to be a uh, a revolution really in jobs so automation is going to come in and it's going to take away a whole load of traditional jobs that used to exist so when those are gone what are you then going to do and the you know you need to have some sort of employment but it can be difficult to retrain for something completely different so for me it's all about you know and, and ultimately this is your life as well this isn't just oh you know making a bit of cash no yeah yeah ultimately it's a bit like i'm only going to get one shot of being on this planet and what do i want to do with that time now because of the way of things your work tends to to be the majority you know take up the majority of your time so you want to make that work something that you love rather than 
something that you don't you know that you don't really want to do the problem with this topic is that instinctively especially for british people it all sounds so cheesy yeah mm. i mean not not to dig our american listeners our american brothers <laughs> and sisters but in america it's it's a lot more accepted because of yeah. this idea of um freedom and personal independence and living your dream when yeah. you say that in england the natural tendency is oh fuck off mate you know yeah yeah just, just get on with the work you're meant to kind of suffer in the uk yeah yeah it's that protestant work ethic yeah, thing and, isn't it and, and the german work ethic as well so uh I think that's a good excuse for many people, isn't it? To just go, I don't, I don't really need... It sounds like a good idea, but I just... Yeah. You, know, you know what, I'll just carry on with this job. Yeah. I've only got 20 years left, mm, and mm. then I'll do the cruise. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember Dead Poets Society. Do you remember that? Yeah, it's a very yeah, yeah. cheesy <laughs> film, but I remember quotes from that, and um, Carpe Diem, you know, Seize the Day, and there's usually one point that pushes a guy to do it. Yeah. Um, but well, I was in I was in a series of jobs that that didn't go very well. I kind of got pushed out of one company after I'd been there for ten years, and when that happens, and you start to think, well, I can, and I, I had a couple of other jobs after that, but you think, well, I can go on and effectively, I'm just doing the same thing again, and it's not making me happy. It's making me a, a comfortable income, but it's not. I'm not. It's not making me rich for sure. And you know, I've got to report to a boss. I've got to be in the same location and everything, and that just wasn't how I wanted to live my life. But even more than that, and then. Sometimes people will say, well, do you, did you, do you take a risk when you do this? Do you take a risk when you cut the umbilical cord to the corporations and go off on, you, on your own way? But the truth is that the traditional jobs aren't stable these days anyway, are they? And, uh, yeah, in a wider sense, uh, the whole of your life is one big fucking risk. There's calculated risk, you know, pros and cons. You, um, it's a very good risk to take in this day and age. Um, go for something you love doing because you think worst-case scenario... And it's probably similar to where you are right now. Um, yeah. We calculate our worst case scenario thing, and and it ain't the end of the world. It's um, yeah. <laughs> going back to what we were doing before, or going back to the place where you are right now. So, yeah. uh, I got to keep asking you questions, Troy. Yes. Uh, because uh, <laughs> any minute now, we're going to get kicked off this ferry. Yeah, we are. I think. So you're going back to London, but then, uh, what are you doing f- for the rest of the summer? Well, I'm going to go to Budapest for a couple of weeks. So I've got staying in an Airbnb over there. I love Budapest. It's a beautiful place. Spent a lot of time there last year. Um, I wanted to go back and to check it out as a solo traveller because I was with uh, a girl last year. And I kind of like, with you, I mean, obviously you're nomadic. I look at different locations and I sort of think well could I base myself here for a period of time Budapest was one that I thought maybe I could because it's it's inexpensive it's also Troy's a romantic Troy's very sentimental <laughs> I am very sentimental it's a, it's a beautiful place um, no so, you, like, you do like a bit of a bit of a base a bit of stability yeah I do I do uh, and probably Berlin will be will be that because obviously I've, you know I've got I've got my place in Berlin so it makes sense but you know at the same time I can rent out the apartment in Berlin and I can go to different places that, and potentially places that are even cheaper because that was the sort of that was the sort of the original core of the digital nomad dream wasn't it that you would go to a place where your overheads are very low work for yourself while you're building up and yeah so you know and Berlin is an inexpensive place but it's becoming increasingly more expensive isn't it so therefore it's yeah. nice to look at different destinations as well. And you've uh, almost hit publish on... New book. See how slick this is? See that transition? Beautiful, beautiful. I've got a new book coming out very, very soon. Um, it will be within the next uh, fortnight, but look out for more details on my website soon. Called 10 Times Happiness Zero Bullshit. 
which really does what it what it says on the tin. It, it it's a very raw, very personal book about my experiences with depression, with alcohol, with you know some very unhappy times in my life, and how I got from that to getting to to now where I am. I can honestly say I am pretty happy, and that doesn't mean walking around ecstatic the whole time. It doesn't mean I'm you know going around with my underpants on my head or anything. But nevertheless, you know I've dealt with a lot of my demons. Um, and I'm now able you, you to. That's what you preach. Really. Yeah, yeah. And I'm now, you know, I'm now doing work that I, that I care about and that I love, and it's all good. And I think it's a replicable yeah. thing. You know, I think it's a, there is a process that you can go through to go from one side to the other. So anybody who's listening to this who is feeling that sort of dissatisfaction in their lives or things aren't, you know, things are going along Groundhog and it's okay, day. but it's sort of Groundhog Day and they're not, you know, then this is the book for you because this shows you exactly the process that I went through to go from that to a position of freedom and happiness and, you know, just, just a lot of possibilities and opportunities. What, what would you say to the people like me, the cynics, the West <laughs> who are um, who go, oh, not just a self-help book from California. Well, it's not from California; it's from. Uh... <laughs> uh-huh. Got you. So, so there you go. So uh, where did I? This is not a slick, feel-good. No, um, no. I wanted to, I wanted to give really actionable advice, and I actually, when I originally wrote the the book, I wanted to call it how to not commit suicide because I wanted to um, and that you know that sounds melodramatic but I I really wanted to it's a serious book at the end of the day because I was in a place where suicide was on the cards I I was on a place where I was deeply deeply unhappy and this is not a you know it's not a joking sort of matter it's not it's not that sort of cheesy just be the best you can be kind of stuff it's like it's like it's like we can find ourselves in desperate positions but even if you're not in you know even if you're not at that jumping off place nevertheless you know we you you can find yourself in unhappiness and ultimately like i said before this is your life you know this isn't a dress rehearsal you know this is serious stuff because the longer that you leave it and that you you're either unhappy or you don't make yourself happier you are you're you know you're wasting time that could be spent yeah yeah exactly do you you differentiate between the kind of when you say to someone happiness they think of the disney permanent state of happiness and do you differentiate between that and you know that bubbling feeling of just contentment and doing what you want and as we say freedom Mm. yeah because happiness is one of those funny words yeah well i do get into this actually in the book about definitions because how do you define happiness what does it really mean and i think there's a difference between uh, fleeting pleasure, which we were obviously chasing all weekend in <laughs> in Amsterdam, and true happiness, which I would define as being more around having meaning in your life. You know, so it's not. I mean, okay, you can go and have sex, you could have a, a drink if you want to, you could, you know, go to a party or whatever, and those things will bring you a certain exhilaration in the moment. But and and that can be great. That can be the the, the icing on the cake. But that's not true happiness true happiness is more constructing your life in a way where you know you've cleared away a lot of the wreckage you've cleared away a lot of the the, maybe some of the negative stuff that you've been through and now you've got real meaning and most importantly of all you you center your life around that meaning so if your meaning in life is playing the violin then you found a way to make that your central activity and i think uh, so then you're giving the maximum value that you can to the world and that's really where i want to take people to and that book is basically written, yeah? So it's done, yeah, it's being edited. We should be, the cover's done. It should be out very, very soon. So are you going to take a break, Troy Francis? The million dollar question. Or are you going to... 
continue with this epic, and I do admire it, this epic publishing uh, feat, feast. Well, I'm kind of, I do have a, an idea in mind for the next one. I say an idea, it's, it's more than that. I've started to plan the next one. Yeah. So, but I need to have a look at it because as we were saying, work-life balance, its it's been a bit tricky. Um, so when I'm in Budapest and Berlin next month, I might take things a bit, a little bit more slowly yeah, then and take stock. Because the irony of what we do is that you, you do all this to get the freedom, yeah. but you then you get, then the new addiction is the, is yeah. the, the empire building. I've been there, you know? Yeah. So thinking so much about day game business, uh, quite recently I thought, you know what, I've forgotten the love of day game, the, you know, yeah. the, the beginner's love of day game. So yeah. that's the catch 22 of the Tim Ferriss four hour work week. You become a 44 hour. Yeah, know, yeah, uh, exactly. Nuts. Well, I've definitely been working harder doing this than I yeah, was. It's a phase when you have to. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, exactly. And I've been in a building phase and I still am. So I've been working a lot harder than probably I did at previous jobs. And, you know, hope, I can see that rearranging itself as I go forward. But yeah, I think I'll probably take a bit of a breather over the summer just to recalibrate and get the energy back, get the mojo. Yeah, uh, I said in our podcast that we did, yeah. the one for me, that I, I got burnt out in Ukraine, but I only took three days off in Croatia. I did mm. a bit of swimming, uh, sunbathing. Uh, switching off your phone and yeah amazing three days yeah fresh maybe Troy's already had it after his lovely van experience in Amsterdam quite possibly I do feel refreshed and ready to go after the uh, the lovely show we saw last night a little bit of theatre uh, touching touching <laughs> beautiful stuff okay well listen thanks for that Tom I think we now need to bring this to a close because we're being thrown forcibly off the ship being made to walk the gangplank yeah um, we're here. We're, We're in Essex, England. So it's beautiful to be back. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Torero. You're welcome, mate. I'll see you in Berlin, I promise. Berlin is going to be the next one. So good times, and thank you very much for listening. Join me next week. Bye-bye.